Amen. Okay. How are we? So, part one of the series, we talked about just sin in general. Uh, We talked about how we are a consecrated people. Yes, we're not just uh, belong to the Lord, but we're called. We've got a calling and an anointing. Hands up if you've got a calling and anointing on your life. And if you don't feel you have, you do. You're called and anointed. Okay, that does come with a cost, but it's so worth it. And we get built in that season of the cost. But on top of that, it comes with consecration. We're called to be a holy people. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. We're called to be a holy people. And that looks like something. And we need him in order to do that work. The cleansing happens it's him who does that work in, our, in us. We don't do it by our strength and by our, in our flesh trying to cleanse ourselves out. It's in his grace. But we are called to be a holy people, consecrated, set apart. It looks like something. When we're in the world, it looks like something. And our light goes before us. Yes? Our light goes in and dispels the darkness. And we are called to be like that. So we are very spiritual. Yes? We are spiritual beings. We're also sexual beings. Both good, both of God both good, both of God. And the world has stolen both the spirituality and worshipping of others, other spiritual things, and also sexuality. Yes? It's not being completely stolen. Hello? It belongs to the Lord. Hello? Yes, you can't actually take something off him like that. But it has been used and turned against. It's been defiled. It's been dirtied because it's powerful. It is powerful. The Lord made it powerful. It is supernatural. We're going to talk again today about how it's a connecting, it's a joining of one of our body, our soul, so our mind and our will, um, and our um, spirits, okay? We are three-part beings, yes? Yes? Think of an egg. Did everyone have an egg come to mind? Everyone got an egg in their brain? We've got a shell, we've got a yolk, we've got an egg white, yes? Everyone look at me. Can you all see an egg? We've got a shell, we've got an egg white, and we've got an egg yolk. That is three-part beings. We are all those three. And when we have union with someone else, all those three parts are connected with all three parts. It is not just a physical act, which is where things get dangerous when it's used out of the context it was designed for. All three are supposed to become one with someone else if we are in the covenant of marriage, and all three are supposed to stay as one. Yes, we don't just get into marriage, hello, and stay physically as one. How many people know you can be physically together as one in marriage and still be very much alone? Yeah, and it's painful. You can be spiritually not together, but you're emotionally. And, you know, it's it's supposed to be. The the way the Lord designed it is that we are body, heart, so soul, our mind, our emotions, as well as our spirits are one. And it's designed that way. And any of those things that are out of order is what brings disorder. And the Lord wants to reorder the kingdom. Yeah. So we are after the blessings and the, the breakthrough and the, uh, the fullness of whoever is single, we are after releasing that. That's me in that category too. We are also after marriages. We are after those who are maybe even divorced, and that is something that has happened. There's be, there are people who are widows. doesn't matter what season of life we are in. We're after wholeness. The Lord has a call on our life. The Lord uses our life, and we're, we're after life in those areas. Okay, so what we are doing is starting off this series talking all about the different types of sexual sins, but it's not this focus on the negativity and stop it, stop it, stop it, stop 
legalism and law and make sure you just play inside the lines, okay? God is not a cosmic killjoy who just wants to say no sex, please, unless it's just procreation. Okay, so we're not doing that. What we are doing, though, is starting off with here are the boundaries. So we, last time we talked about fornication. I'm going to do that again today. Fornication is when we have sex outside of the covenant of marriage. That doesn't. So that means if you haven't actually had a covenant agreement before God and man, I'm going to marry this person. Which So you can be engaged, but that you're not covenanted. So anyone that hasn't had the covenanted to someone else before God and man, if we're having sex outside of that, it's called fornication. And in the Bible, that's just N-O. And in the Greek, it's N-O. And in the Hebrew, it's N-O. Is that okay? <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years time, the N-O is not going to change to Y-E-S. Are we okay? in any language, in any translation. It is so clear. So I'm not going to spend today trying to focus on why it's a no. I mean, that the Bible says it's a no. It just does. So we, we don't need to unpack that and say, are you sure it said no? Um, we're going to move on from that. We're going to come around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. We're going to go um, the no of fornication. We're going to go adultery and then something some of you might not have heard of before, which is spiritual adultery, where we can actually be having an emotional connection and a spiritual connection with someone who we're not married to and yet still be married. And so that's often the the lead up to full-on adultery. Some people never get to full-on adultery, but you can still have emotional ties with someone else that's stronger than the person you're married to. That's um, spiritual adultery. We're going to do that route. We're going to come around with all the topics like masturbation, porn, voyeurism, all these different areas which are sexual sins whether you're married or not married and then coming closer to the actual um, the marriage setup which sex is for and talking about fruit which, um, which is you can have negative fruit and positive fruit and that depends on whether good seeds are sown or bad seeds are sown and how many of you know just because you're married and now you can have this intimacy that the Lord has given to you it doesn't mean that there's good fruit in that area it can be a real area of pain it can be an area of brokenness. It can be an area that just there's confusion. And so we just want to, to talk more about it. The church and the home should be places where sex is talked about. Yes? Yes? So we're going to talk more about these seeds to be sown to get this type of fruit, whereas these seeds, if these are being sown, no wonder there's this kind of fruit. Is that okay? Why are we then starting with fornication or sex out of sight of marriage? Because a lot of people, maybe they weren't Christian, maybe they're just for whatever reason, enter into marriage having already had intimacy with someone else, sexual relations with someone else, even if it's the spouse they're now married to. And so before we start looking at marriage and intimacy in marriage and where there can be bad stuff going on and why there's some damage in the sexual arena in that area, one of the key reasons is whether there was um, sexual intimacy before marriage. That goes right in. You take that junk in with you. Okay? So that's why we need to look at that. That's why I'm starting with that. And if we can clean that up, then by the time we get to the subject of marriage, the preciousness of that and some of the bad fruit there, we don't have to go back and cover this whole area. Is that okay? After a counseling session, prayer ministry session, if a couple comes and that's an area of pain in their life, it's most commonly that there's just that, that there's been sexual intimacy before marriage, even if it was just between the two of them. Okay, so that's why we're starting here. I'm just going to pray as I'm starting for a protection against shame. Is that all right? Because this is a shame-free zone. Yeah? When Adam and Eve were into stuff and they had shame, they went and hid. But the Lord came in and pursued them in their hiding. Okay? So even if we feel shame, even if we feel like hiding, that's when the Lord comes in and pursues us. Today, he is pursuing us over the subject, in this subject, 
whatever has happened outside of marriage or in marriage where there's sexual addiction, whether it's orgies, I don't mind what it is. The Lord is pursuing us today. He is pursuing you today, whatever it is. Homosexuality, lesbianism, nothing frightens the Lord. His love comes into the darkness and dispels the darkness. And doesn't matter what has happened, this is a shame-free zone and the Lord can clean and clear everything. His blood is enough. His blood is enough. It covers and he provided the grace to get out of that stuff. So you're, you're, you're good. We're good. But there's some legal transactions and stuff to work through to get clean, which we'll walk you through today. Is that all right? So, Father, we just thank you that this is a shame-free zone. And I pray for protection against shame in Jesus' name. I pray protection against shame in Jesus' name. And just bind that stronghold right now in the name of Jesus. I just bind it and hand you over to Jesus. I come against any condemnation in Jesus' name. Father, even where any of our our conscience is working against us because of memories and things that we did willingly or unwillingly, for some of us it will be things that are coming up of stuff that's been done to us, Lord, where this area of purity was even taken and stolen from us. And I pray for a, a covering over those areas today, Lord, and just your protection and your peace. I just pray for your peace in all of our hearts in this area today. I thank you that you are a loving Father who's pursuing us. It's not awkward to talk to Dad about about sex when it comes to you. You are the least awkward person to talk to about this. You created it. You designed it. You love your kids. You love your kids. And would you come and make it safe for us, Lord, to just bring our hearts, to bring our lives, to bring our histories, everything just before you this morning, Lord, to know that Daddy loves us and Daddy's going to wash and Daddy's going to clean. And I thank you for that uh, verse in Hebrews that says, your blood even comes to clean our conscience. And I thank you for a starting of that even this morning, Father, for your gift of repentance to be stirred up in our hearts, but also for the washing of the conscience that comes with the blood. I claim that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, it's like, how am I going to do this? And it came, shall not, why not, what not, can't not, now what? Sermon over. Good luck. Just joking. So we shall not, number one, I don't feel we need to spend time on that. We shall not. Is everyone in agreement on that point? That's what the Bible says. Okay, number two, why not? So we want to just have some time with dad and say, Lord, can you speak to us about why these areas belong only in, in covenant marriage and not out of covenant? Um, I'm using the word covenant a lot this morning. Have any of you come across that word a little bit? Covenants? We have Old Testament in the Bible, New Testament. Have some of you heard it being called Old Covenant, New Covenant? Yeah, so a covenant is a deep transaction, an agreement, a deep vowing, a coming together, a promising, all the way through Scripture. It's in our Jewish, the Jewish background culturally to come together. You can have a good soul tie. There are types of healthy soul ties. You can have friends that covenant together, like Jonathan and David. We can have just people who promise things. So Old Covenant, you saw that with Abraham, where the Lord made a covenant, a promise, didn't get married to Abraham, but he made this deal, that's what it is, a deal with him that, you know, he will be the father of many nations and you will be my people. And those covenants usually had about nine different things that they'd walk through. It had to do with cutting an animal in half. So glad we don't do that at our weddings. Let's split an animal and walk between it down the line. Maybe that's what the, the, the line is when you walk down. Um, you split an animal in half and pass between you because this is what I'll do to you if you turn back on the covenant. That's what it means. There's often the transaction of blood with each other and having a scar to show that you actually belong to other people with that. There's the swapping of the, of the tunic and the robes and things like that, belts, the girdle. Um, there's lots of transactions. It's serious. It is serious. You, 
and, other, and you have witnesses, that's another one. It's serious. So New Testament, New Covenant, Jesus became that animal split, the blood. He became, that's what the New Covenant is. It's now him and us. He provided the blood. Are you with me? I've got a church to hear about blood. He provided the blood. He provided the sacrifice. He provided, it was the robe, the covering, the, the truth. He did the transaction. And now we're in a new covenant with him. Marriage is a blood covenant. It is a covenant. It's a covenant that isn't just let's cohabit together to see how this goes for a while. And if it's working out, we'll stick together. Yeah? Because with that comes a little bit of fear and manipulation that the Lord didn't want to have inside of marriage. Because when you're cohabiting together, it's if this doesn't work out, I guess we're buying a house together, we're doing all this together, we're doing this together, and there's this big emphasis on my behavior because I can be cut off tomorrow. Which then we use fear and manipulation with each other to control each other because it's this based on my behavior we're in this, whereas a covenant is I'm in this not based on your behavior. Your behavior affects me, I'll put boundaries on your behavior. But a covenant is, this is unconditional. And before God, I'm covenanting to you, not because of whether you're still meeting my needs. Does that make sense? The Lord designed it to be, I give my life for this. Chris Vallotton talks about this a lot. There's a moral revolution is a movement that came out of Bethel Church to do with sexual purity in America, which is awesome if you ever want to follow their podcasts or follow some of their stuff. I think Havila Cunnington now oversees moral revolution. He teaches a lot on this. I'd seen it written, but it's the first time I heard someone speak about the hymen. So everyone know what a hymen is? With a female, a piece of skin membrane that's around the vaginal area. And if you look in the dictionaries or encyclopedias why it's there the world's like I, I don't I don't actually know it doesn't seem to have this purpose some people are like maybe maybe it's cleanliness or whatever but if you think of a woman she'll be maybe most married for most of her life so it can't be for that that's well, that's not a protection of the Lord is it but it's a membrane that stretches or tears at the consummation of a blood covenant there's a blood it's a blood covenant that's the way that the Lord designed it there's a blood and a covenant, just like the Lord provided the blood in the new covenant, old covenant. Does this make sense? Yeah. And it's only people in the kingdom who understand covenant and get that the Lord designed this to work. He designed it to work as a covenant, that he's provided also the, uh, the blood sign. The old Jewish customs at weddings whoo, would be that you'd come, the families, the children, everyone gathered around. They'd say the vows, the covenant before the people we covenant. Then they go behind the curtain. No roof. And they consummate the marriage and then throw the sheets over and the children, everyone, Chris Valentin's always the three-year-olds are standing there going, they're fighting already. But, um, you know, they consummate the marriage, they throw the sheets over, then the celebration begins. They've celebrated the, 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 mar the marriage's covenant. It is blood that stamps it and it's between two virgins. Not just the woman has remained a virgin. It's between two virgins. And then they have seven days of feasting and celebration. And the, the children and the, the teenagers grow up learning that this is celebrated, being kept, being chased. This is celebrated. This is what the feast and the celebration for seven days is over. Yeah? How different our culture now where this is the stuff that's out there and the stuff that the teenagers now go through. There's, there's sites when I was doing some of this research and looking into things. But there's even, I saw a site where it's how to get rid of your hymen or how to stretch it or how to tear it so that you don't look like you're a virgin when you're out there. Like how to destroy yourself to keep you from being shamed so that you actually look like you sleep around because that's what's good. 
That's the society that we live in. Should we take it back? Take back what the enemy stole. Yeah, so it is a covenant. It's not a cohabiting. Mark 10, 9 says, Therefore, what God has united and joined together, man must not separate. Who joins it? Who joins the man and woman? God. What God joins together. That's why cohabiting. That's why taking someone. That's, but we're covenanted to each other emotionally. We're going to get married. That's not covenanting. Is that okay? It's only God who does it. Whether you're a Christian or not Christian, a marriage covenant, he created that idea. And it's with God joins it, let no man separated but let no man start it if God hasn't joined it too don't you think that also works so it is a oneness when God joins it together it really is really is oneness so we've got I don't mind how we do it we're body we're soul and we have a personal spirit yes the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us but the real essence of who you are the thing that the DNA of your character, the part of you that you know meets with the Lord and meets with your with your lover that you pour in and out of each other's lives, you have a personal spirit. You have a personal spirit. Everyone say, I have a personal spirit. It's not that we're body and soul and then we have the spirit making up our spirit. We have a personal spirit that interacts with him. Okay, so we have a body, we have a soul. What's in the soul, Miss Talbot? We have a will, we have emotions. Yeah, our mind, the way we think, and we have a personal spirit. Okay, so last two weeks ago I spoke about um, the neurochemicals we even have in our mind where the Lord has designed us to even, it's bonding chemicals in the brain. So not only is it the physical body comes together, yeah, and, it, and designed in a way where it actually slots in and becomes one. But we have bonding that actually happens in the brain. We talked about dopamine. Dopamine is the, the chemical and neurochemical that gets released when we have pleasure, when we're enjoying something, when something's making us happy. It can be when we have a great meal. It can be when we see a great team win. It can be when we get a certificate on stage. It's that I'm doing well, I'm enjoying this. It takes us back for more. That can work against us. Big one when it comes to porn as well. So we have... Um, dopamine. Females have what's called oxytocin. Oxytocin is released when you give birth because we need something then. And breastfeeding and during sex. And that oxytocin is a bonding chemical. It's designed to bond to that child and to bond to your mate. In the animal kingdom, animals that stay together forever have that chemical in the female. And animals that have just come together to procreate and part the way the Lord designed, they don't have that chemical. It is that chemical. It's a bonding in the brain. Yeah, men have the same similar. It's called vasopressin. And it bonds you to your mate. Bonds you to your mate. Keeps you home. Okay? So we are bonded in the mind. We are bonded within our emotions, all the feelings that come from those neurochemicals, all of the deep, it's a very intimate thing to be with someone like that. We're bonded in the emotions that's designed by the Lord, and we surrender our will to that act. And then, yep, body and our spirits. Our spirits intermingle. I think it's Malachi. Might be Malachi 2.24, I can't remember, where it talks about the purpose of marriage and he says it's a procreation for godly, godly offspring. But it also talks about our spirit leaving residue, I think is the word, in one another. 
Did you know that when we actually have sexual intimacy with someone, it's not just that our spirits become one, it's like intermingling, joining. So our spirit actually becomes one. It's not we have different, our spirit becomes one. So what this means is, if we have had attachments to many partners, there are physical complications. Number one, we have all this body memory of how other people work and designed, and now they're married to other people, and they know how to get us aroused, and we're over here. We have this body memory thing going on, but these are the biggies. In our mind, we're bonded to that person as it's designed, but we can pick up people's spiritual junk. Demonic influence comes through a sexual partner when it's outside of marriage. There's no protection mechanism, and we're sleeping with somebody else. You know, the scripture, it says you bind yourself and become one with a harlot, and and we actually can um, have spiritual infestation through that. It's a bit scary. It's true. They don't teach this in the soaps on TV. (laughs) Hmm. We, we, we become one. The scripture says it's a mystery. So obviously, on the reverse, when it comes to doing a cleanup job, which the Lord does a great job of, we need to pray through all these areas. It's soul ties and spiritual ties. Our actual personal spirit needs to be severed from that other person by the Holy Spirit's power and to, to remember them no more. I don't think our mind ever really forgets those encounters. But our personal spirit needs to not remember anymore and we can pray those things and we actually need to be disconnected on all three levels from anyone that we've been with otherwise we enter into marriage connected on all three levels with somebody else that's quite serious and then we have these marriages and families and children that are christian being raised that we want them to be raised in these godly homes and everything and there's a door open from the past and those doors bring in the demonic, they bring in dissension, they bring in a separation. It's like there's more of you than in the bed. Okay? So the good news is there's a pathway to closing that door. And the Lord is completely all over that, loves doing it. He's so good at the restoration process. But it's serious when we connect with other people. So when it comes to the Bible, we shall not. Why not? It's a blood covenant. It has a purpose. And if we use it outside of its purpose, we've got some bad stuff going in on all three areas, even diseases, sexually transmitted diseases. That wasn't supposed to happen. All three levels are affected. Do we understand? It is glue. Glue binding us together. Okay. Number three, I talked about this a little bit two weeks ago. What not? So what not to do? How far can I go is a question that we often ask when we're in the dating scene or when we're maybe now dating again. You know, we're widows or something's happened, but we're, we're not connected with someone in holy matrimony. And so how far can we go? And I'm wondering what I talked about two weeks ago. I hope you don't mind me repeating myself a bit. But I just wondered if that's a question that in itself reveals our hearts. It's almost like, how far can we do something that meets my needs? Or how far can we do what brings me pleasure for God to not get mad? Instead of the other way around of, how can I protect your purity while I'm connecting with you to see if you could be a likely marriage partner? Our heart should be positioned in, how can I protect your purity? Because you're the, you're the king's daughter and you're the king's son and you've not been given to me. God, what God joins together... So until someone is given to us in marriage, they're actually not ours, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. I understand those expressions. But they're actually sons and daughters of the living king. And they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, the scripture says. They're not ours. They're not ours. 
They're not ours. Sit down with Father God and say, so how far do I go? Do you mind if I just have my tongue down your daughter's throat all the time? But I might not marry her. I know that sounds a bit like, and I'm not wanting any religion and legalism to come in at all, but I'm just putting this out there. Is It's in a heart position. What's our heart stance? It should be my desire to court you is to see whether I'll marry you. Some people know from the beginning. I just know I'm going to marry that person. Some people don't. Like me, I've been through different courting a lot since I've even been in this church. I have been courting it for months with some. Very painful anyway just to have that emotional connection. But you don't know. You don't know till you're in that covenant. Anything can happen. And until they're in that covenant and not given by the Lord, they're the Lord's. It doesn't mean we need to be prudish, fearful, legalistic, walk down, make sure we don't look at each other. Um, you know, there's, we greet each other with a holy kiss in here anyway. We're brothers and sisters. We have fun together. We hug, we kiss, we can you know, cuddle, things like that. What, do you remember the line that we talked about two weeks ago? That maybe we shouldn't just be talking about whether we've fully had sex before and is it okay to have oral sex and is it okay? Instead of that, we should be just going, maybe it's not my area is if I've sexually aroused them at all. To me, that's my conviction. You and the Lord chill together on that one. But I believe that if someone isn't ours and if there are brothers and sisters in Christ and the scripture talks about it as defrauding my other brother, it's defrauding their future husband or wife if I do this. So we defraud each other's future spouses if we enter into sexual intimacy. Oh, no, only if I fully sleep with them. Really? I don't want the man that I marry to have done everything over and over again because he'll be in his 30s or 40s now, except for full-on sex with whoever has been courting this whole journey. But maybe actually sexually arousing the other person is something that's not our place yet and is our place to be fully explored when there's a blessing on it. And the Lord will bless that. He has designed it. He loves it to be joyous and a blessing and fun and shame-free but he wants us to just wait because there's so many other things to explore before wedding when it comes to courting. We start having the sex drive when we're very young. And do we marry when we're 11, 12? You know, puberty's hitting in, things like that. Can we marry then? We do we? We're not responsible in our character yet. I think there's something about responsibility of character and restraint of character when it learns how to manage that side of ourselves that it's good to learn to manage before we enter into marriage. Because how many of you know you still have to manage yourself when you're in marriage? Otherwise, that's when a lot of injury happens. So you've got, what, 10 for some years, more, 20-something for mine, of managing having a sex drive and learning restraint and learning character and learning to honor the other person above yourself before we get married. I think that was the Lord's design. Blank faces. How are we going? Is this okay? <laughs> In Song of Songs 2.7, she says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Don't arouse. Women, we have a power when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to appearances or looks or clothing. And some women learn to use that power, which is not good, because then we learn to use it inside marriage too. So let's fix it in this dating season. Do not arouse love. Do not arouse love. There's a difference to loving them, loving them as a son of the Lord, loving that man, 
calling him to be all he can be, seeing if he's someone who you'll marry. But I think when it comes to playing in the area of arousal, and if you don't end up married to that person, that's, I just wonder about our heart stance in that area. Let's talk to the boys. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 7. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. This is guys and girls. Uh, You should be sanctified. You should avoid sexual immorality. And I don't think that means intimacy with people that you totally, totally don't care about. Sexual immorality includes even if you love, 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 love them. It can be sexual immorality outside of the way the Lord designed. Does that make sense? Avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control his body. Control. Learn to is a process that I think should happen in the dating season. Because if we don't learn to control our body, the other um, version says, know how to possess your vessel. Men are called to possess your vessel, not to let it possess you. And if we don't learn in the dating season by protecting that woman's heart and her purity before the Lord, and we don't learn to possess our vessel, we probably won't learn to possess our vessel in marriage, where it's still a journey of managing it. It's not just um, sexual nirvana once you get married and everything. You're just, she's just going to be available whenever you want it all day long. That's not happening like that. For some, it's a shock, but it's just not. There's more seeds and fruit to be, there's more effort, there's, there's protecting this thing. Once you're married, it takes work all the way through. It's gardening, gardening, weeding, protecting, blessing. It, it takes effort to make it glorious. Yeah, weeds get in quick. But we are called to possess our vessels, not, Lord, you just have to look after my sex drive. Oh, he's not doing it. Okay, well then, I'm going to use it. We are learned to learn to possess our vessels. It's a command of the Lord. And dating is a great time to do that, to possess this vessel and to be connecting with our hearts and our heads and our minds. It's a good idea to to decide way before dating and courting for marriage reasons whether you want to be a virgin or not. Decide over here your lifestyle of purity before the Lord because when it gets to those encounters and we're curled up on the couch and we're doing this and we've been together for a year and of course we want to get married, you don't decide then. When everything is alive and you're feeding the sex monster, it comes and eats you. Okay, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. It's good to decide over here. And it's okay when you're courting and meeting someone for marriage purposes to ask if they have the same decision. Instead of going, no, later, when you met and started dating because you hooked up. It's the latest awful term. That's how you met. But to actually have character and a Spirit of virginity, a consec- that, that word virgin is used to describe consecration in the Bible. You know, we can still have that spirit in us when we're even married, even though things are way going well. But it's a, it's a consecrated spirit. And to decide early that you're going to be, this season is I'm unto the Lord until he has given me somebody. And to decide that early rather than when we're in a situation. These things are good to think about. I'm going all over the place, but I trust little puzzle pieces are sticking in different people's hearts. So we are called to know, know how to possess our own vessel before and in marriage. 1 Timothy 5.2, Paul's talking to Timothy about girls. He's a young guy. What does he say? Treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with all purity. The scripture doesn't say treat young sisters with dating them, but just so long as you don't fully sleep with them. All purity in the Greek means all, in the Hebrew means all, 
What does all mean? Absolute. With absolute purity, what in the act or in my heart? In my heart, treat them. It's a heart stance to be set aside. Is that okay? We are to treat all women. So the women have to do this back as well. We treat our brothers and sisters with all purity. So we don't have to say, well, where's the line? All is the line. (laughs) All purity. Is this holy? We're called to holiness and honorable living. Jesus, if you're here with us in our courting season and we're hanging out this night together, is this all purity? Is this holy and honorable connecting, working out, having fun together, working out if we're going to be married, sharing hearts, sharing histories, seeing if there's empathy in the other person, compassion in the other person, discernment. Can the man lead? Can the woman, you know, is she she encouraging? Does she respect me? But those things are missed if we're going, where is the line? I can't see in the scripture where the line is. All purity. Let's protect each other's all purities and have our heart stance be, I'm not, even if you're asking me to do it with you because you've got some issues, I'm not because I'm protecting you. And that is the type of love that is good to have inside of a marriage. That's the type of love that leads towards goodness in the covenantal marriage relationships of sex. If you've got a heart stance of this is, we have both needs met. But if our heart stance is, all about you and protecting your needs, you see that fruit in the sexual intimacy. If the heart stance is meet my needs, you see that later. So watch out for that in the dating season. Is that okay? In Deuteronomy, the, word, the Lord uses the word, so if a, man, if a man finds a girl who's a virgin who is not engaged and he seizes her, he's intimate with her, and they discovered, then the man who is intimate with her shall give 50 shekels of silver to the girl's father, and, he shall, and shall become, she shall become his wife because he has violated her. We don't want that word violated in our sexual intimacy in our marriage. That's a horrible word. But outside of marriage, that's what it's called. It's a violation. It's a violation. And there's no changing that when it comes to the word and the stance in the word. Are we Okay. We get to married parts later in a few weeks. I've got a couple of even people in the church who are going to help with that with some of their beautiful testimonies. But um, So there's goodness. The sex thing is really, really, really good. But today I just want to continue to outline where the boundaries are. So four and then number five. So number four is, but I can't not. If you're someone in your heart where you're noticing when it comes to sexual sin, I can't not, then that usually means there's a sexual addiction because there's a pattern. There's a, I can't get out of that. Okay? That's very scary when it's more powerful than you. It is. It is more scary. There's a season in my life I struggled with a sexual type of sexual addiction just for a season, and that scared me. When something is stronger than you, when that monster is bigger than you, it is scary. But it needs addressing. Okay? It needs addressing. It needs looking at. Why? Why do we need... What, why does this thing from? I don't believe that a sexual problem is a sexual problem. That was so deep. I believe a sexual problem is a heart problem. Sleeping with someone outside of marriage is called fornication. Let's read what Matthew fifteen nineteen says. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witnesses, slanders. Out of the heart comes fornication. It's not that we just have too much sex drive or that there's... It's not actually a sex problem. The fruit is there's a sex problem. The root is it's a heart problem. Fornication comes out of the heart, the Lord says. What do you mean by that, Amy? 
Well, it means, usually an addiction means there's an unmet need. Often a root behind addiction, any type of addiction, gluttony, spending, is an unmet need. It might be that you're not going to get the answer from that by me talking up here today because everyone's is different. And it has totally to do with the stories that you grew up with, missing pieces, father wounds, mother wounds, ways you might have judged sex because of something that happened in the home, ways maybe abuse hugely wrecks with that. This is, none of this is to do with abuse today. That was not your fault, not a party to that in that way. But um, when we have unmet need, then we seek for something to fill it. It's like having an empty tank, and we're thirsty. You will drink from anything. If you're going, like, I'm going, you feel like you're going to die tomorrow, and my thing, then, you, then you're like, you have some, fill this. Or product, you have some, fill this. Or shop, you have some. Chocolate, you have some. Sex, fill this. Okay? So whenever we have a need that can't be satiated, we've got to keep doing it. And whenever we have an addiction, whatever they are, unmet need is usually the case underneath it. Is that all right? And that takes maybe a personal prayer ministry session to find the root of that and where that came in and why that wasn't mixed. Or four or five or ten like mine have. I had fortnightly for like a year. (laughs) Unmet need is huge. I'd like to do a whole sermon on that. I will actually. Unmet need is part of my testimony. Um, So then we find false refuge. We don't want to use sex as a false refuge. The Lord has designed it to be a comfort, a refuge, a protection, a covering. But used for that, that's the key word, we're actually defiling the very thing that's supposed to be a blessing. We need our unmet needs dealt with so that that intimacy is a top-up and a comfort on top of that. If we don't have the unmet need dealt with, even the married partner that we're married to can feel they're being used. That's one of the bad seeds we'll talk about when it comes to marriage. We use each other even inside marriage, and we need to deal with it before then. How are we going? Okay. It can be a place where we as a male or a female want to have our identity filled. Sleeping with someone outside of marriage, it's where I want my identity filled. It can be that the boy struggles with courage, struggles to feel he's a man, struggles to feel he's strong. And so he wants to use that in order to fill that. And yet it's a lie. Did any of you were watching the case on the news, uh, Gable Tosti, with the woman from New Zealand and the balcony, and she fell off the balcony, or did he push her on the balcony, and that was the whole thing over in Queensland? Gable Tosti and Warriana Wright from New Zealand. I read through, I read through all the notes from the case. I'm going, where is the root? Where is the root? Where is the root? And I'm reading, why did this man have complete lack of confidence, didn't ever socialize, didn't ever talk to anybody, ever, and then suddenly, doom, not that this is the reason, gymming is good, healthy is good, but he used the gym to be a false refuge, to make him courageous, he used the gym, and he used sleeping around to fill the unmet need, there's a site I found out by reading through this called MISC, I think it's short for miscellaneous, but it's men who talk on there about their sexual conquests and swap stories, so he was on there all the time, and because other men were affirming what he's doing, because he tapes and records every conquest he had, this is the guy Gable Tosti, So I haven't judged him for that. That's fine. But I'm like, what's the root? What's the root? I read through this transcript of what he said on the screen, on miscellaneous. They did a clip in it in the feedback. I feel amazing after sleeping with a hot girl. It's a huge confidence boost. It's like, there's the root. One of the main reasons I try to sleep with different girls as often as possible is to improve my own confidence. He said it himself. I was like, there's the root. There's the root. Someone ministered to him. 
Bless him. Bless him. He's savable. But there's a little boy in there who's got more authority than the big man. And for some of us, we've got a little girl and a little boy inside that's taking us to these addiction places, especially in the area of sexual sin, because there's a little boy and a little girl in there that have more authority than the big person. And they're screaming out for attention and affirmation. And the Lord wants to come in. Yes, he wants you to know what's right and wrong in the kingdom when it comes to sex. But he wants to then come in underneath that and go, and let's look at the wound but that took you to, to drink from that system. He wants to come and meet the unmet need. He wants to come back to that little girl and little boy heart that don't know who they are. That a girl that's like, I don't have affirmation for my femininity. I don't believe I'm beautiful. All those things that maybe a dad can impress on their personal spirit, those are all missing. So they need that from these men. And they go seeking. That's a root. It's a root that takes us to do these things. And there's no shame on those things. But we need to look beyond what are the rules to why am I seeking this out? Why do I need connection? If it, you're struggling with something, a sexual sin, masturbation, ask yourself the question, what does, what does it, that sexual intimacy mean to me? What does it represent? Comfort? Is that the unmet need? Confidence boost? Courage? That I'm strong, that I'm beautiful? Is it as a calm and a meeting my trauma? Some of us grow up in such trauma that it's a place of comfort for huge real trauma that I'm not poo-pooing here. Real trauma in our lives. And so we use that as, well, here I'm stable. Here the trees are green. When I have union with this man that I've not given the Lord to me, has not given to me yet, but there's Pete there, there's unity, and all the things that are supposed to happen in that uni union, that starts happening whether you're married or not. The goodness of all three comes through. And so we're like, so of course this is okay, and the Lord would want me to be happy because here I have peace when I'm held, when I'm in their arms, when we're close, when we're having sex, that's where the trauma isn't here. The Lord designed it to be a comfort and a, and a covering. So that's working. It's just working out of time. And if we actually deal with the trauma that's making us drink from that cistern, then when we go into marriage, we won't use it to fill that cistern. We'll still use it even when we're married. So that's why we need to deal with unmet need that leads us to sexual sin for the sake of our partner, for the sake of our children, for the sake of our marriage and our intimacy, for it to be truly holy as it was designed to be holy. Otherwise, sex and marriage will be a place of confusion and pain. It'll be robbed because of that stupid unmet need thing. I hate unmet need. Satan's, we're designed to be our needs met from little onwards. The Lord had the family, we're supposed to do that. But for a lot of us, that hasn't happened. Is this okay? So if we can't not... Grab, get someone around you to ask you those questions. Look at um, false ways you're filling your heart. Look at whether it's a confidence boost. Look at why you're looking for love in all the wrong places. We can't ask each other, am I feminine? Am I beautiful? Am I strong? People can be a help for that, but that needs to be fixed. on. It's an inside job, not a sex to fill that job. Does that make sense? If we're lonely, and I know loneliness... I know loneliness. It doesn't justify taking. Because if we take anything that's not being given by God, it's not a blessing. It doesn't matter what it is we're using. If it's not given by God, it's not a blessing. Sex outside of marriage cannot be called a blessing. So we need to own our loneliness and get that root healed. Situationally, we can be single, live alone, have no parents in the country, lost past cultures I was part of. This is my fifth country. I know loneliness. But that needs to be met. I know the road of taking my loneliness to Jesus and having him very slowly, very painstakingly, not fast enough for my heart to manage sometimes. 
I know the road of, but Jesus can actually fix the loneliness. And if we each as individuals, even in our marriages, took that as a me responsibility to have my loneliness ministered to, then we can become a gift inside our marriage rather than you defiling it to fill that hole. Is that all right? Let's own our our loneliness. The Lord understands loneliness. Jesus understands loneliness. He understands it. He stayed single too. He learned to possess his, his vessel and he had a sex drive. He can, he, and it's his grace that empowers us to do the same thing. Is that all right? Psalm 84, 11 promises, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. My walk is blameless because of the Christ that's righteous in me, even if I make mistakes. No good thing does he withhold. Whether we're single, whether we're married, sex is a good thing. It's not his design and desire to withhold it, unless it's not good for you right now. Where marriage isn't good for me right now, according to his plan. He knows what his plan is. Sex isn't good for me right now. If you're not married, it's not good for you right now either. But he doesn't withhold to the end of time, things that are good for you. And we just have to trust that he's a good God. He's not a withholder. And maybe the goodness of God is to heal the unmet need first. Or even if we're 50, 70, married, unmarried, it's never too late to heal the unmet need. And that means we're a gift to the world whether we're married or not. Is that all right? So in my last closing up, um, what now? What if we have slept with people? outside of marriage, even if it's the person I was married, I am married to now, and they were my only partner, and I was their only partner. That needs cleaning up too. So I'd just like to walk us through, maybe you're a mentor, maybe you're working with someone in this area, the different transactions that need to happen with the Lord to do a cleanup job. If we go over time by a few minutes, I just think it's important to leave with an answer rather than me just presenting a problem. Is that okay? So there are nine different things that I keep rattling around my mind, but you're like, nine, I don't know, nine steps of journeying through someone to healing. But even if you grab a few off the board, it'll be helpful. So number one, it's very important that we confess our sin. Own it. Call it sin. Denial keeps us from the truth. Denial is a system that's like, oh, but that's not because of this, and that's not because of this, and it keeps us happy with where we're going. But... Just because we don't have a bad conscience about something doesn't mean it's not sin. We don't line up our, our behavior with our conscience. We line it up with the word. Amen? I talked about my speeding fines, lost all my points. I had no bad consciousness about it. It was still sin. Okay, so we need to have call something sin because the Lord calls it sin, which is sex outside of marriage. So we need to confess it. We need to say it and call it as sin as own it. And then we need to repent for that. Now, this word repent is a confusing word at the moment very helpful, this explanation that says, to repent needs to turn in the other direction. I was doing this, and I was doing this, and I repent, and I do something different. That is true, and repentance does mean turning around, going in the opposite way, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Here is this majorly, majorly, majorly important step, which is like, we can call it coming to repentance, where this is the, I am so sorry, God. This is the deep heart traction transaction between us and the Lord that actually owns, confesses a sin and then goes, I am so, so sorry. Will you forgive me? It's the I'm sorry. We need to not just change. It's like we're going, oh God, it was sin. Okay, I'm changing now. It's like, oh, why don't we just come talk to me about actually how you hurt my heart 
in that. And let's actually talk about, can we just say sorry about that? <laughs> we don't just want people who've hurt us to change their ways. We actually need to fix the relationship. Does that make sense? So we need to repent and come to repentance over that. And then we need to forgive. This always keeps us bound and stuck if we don't do the forgiving. We need to forgive those that led us into temptation. We need to forgive those that were in it with us. And we need to forgive ourselves. This is a very hard one to do in areas of sexual sin, especially if you see your stuff impacting someone else now that you're married to. Our conscience burns. We're going to pray through that today. So we need to forgive others, anyone we were involved in. And we need to forgive ourselves. If we're like, I can't forgive myself, that is putting Jesus back on the cross. Like saying, what I did was too big for you. Sorry. You missed that one. It, his blood is enough or it's not. And I'm telling you today, his blood is enough. It covers all things. All things. All things. So we repent for how we've impacted others. For how we've impacted God. We can repent for how we've sinned against ourselves. The Bible says that sexual sin is different from other sins because we sin against our own bodies. We repent for sinning against. We repent for this. Sinning against our own bodies. We forgive others and self. And then with this word, renounce all Elijah House prayer ministry people who would know more about this. To renounce means to come out of agreement with. It's to go, I don't want that anymore, and I'm saying that's not the truth anymore. So what we do is we renounce wrong views of sex. Maybe judgments we've had about sex. Maybe because of an upbringing we had, we saw sex as a bad thing. Sex hurts. You use sex to manipulate people. The things we've learned about sex that are not part of the glory in the word, the things that are about what ages, what, what, who, about anything that's outside of the way sex is supposed to be biblically, we need to renounce and come out of agreement with, thinking it's okay to sleep with my girlfriend and boyfriend. We need to renounce that stronghold, that pattern of thinking. The scripture says our war is not against, you know, it's against our strongholds. It's against the way we think about things. Wrong views of sex, the strongholds need to come down. We need to come out of that way of thinking that's a lie, that says I can just take my, my sister and use her, take my brother, just hook up with people. The, thing, the feeling that we even think we can just hook up with someone, that needs to be renounced. Wow. That needs to be renounced. That, that means it's an actual habitual thought. It's a habitual way of thinking, which is what a stronghold is. That whole thing needs to come, it needs to be verbally renounced. That is, using our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, that, was that a bit strong? Number five. So this is a lot of the legal transaction of our sin, but we don't just come into cleansing for the legal stuff we got wrong. We need healing. We actually need healing to that body, soul, and spirit. We need Jesus to come and cleanse and wash and heal. So number five, we need to pray prayers to separate those three things, the shell, the, the egg, the yolk, the three things. We need to separate our personal spirit in any unholy tie. We're going to do this together today, not leaving you to go home aware of a big thing and not knowing what to do about it. Separate spirit, our souls, our minds, all of those chemicals, oxytocin, all of the bonding stuff. We ask the Lord, we ask by the, take the sword of the Spirit and Holy Spirit, will you separate all unholy ties, ungodly ties, needs to be separated. Even if you're married to the person that you were sleeping with, they were your only partner, you were dating, you slept with each other when you were engaged, 
then you're married and you've never been with anyone else. You still need prayers to separate your personal spirit from the ungodly way it connected because it's in your foundations. So we pray ties to separate that and the Lord to bless that rest of that union that's come through your covenant relationship. Is that all right? So we separate personal spirit, soul, mind ties that are ungodly. And it's ungodly if it's outside of covenant. So we do that. And we just ask that the Lord would come and wash. Wash. I even pray washing over the person's physical body, genitalia, everything. Just, Lord, come with the water and the blood that was from your side and come and wash body, soul, and spirit. Come and wash the mind from the memories. The, come and wash the emotions that are still attached to that person. Come and wash the physical body, the cells, everything. The Lord is beautiful what he washes. Come and wash and restore. It's like some of us little religious spirits. I don't want the Lord to restore that. There shall still be some penalty for that bit of sin. The Lord restores. There are lots of testimonies coming out of Bethel Church with their moral revolution movement about praying over the restoration of this. When people are truly repentant, there's been girls writing and their hymen has been restored. Either the Lord's blood is enough or it's not. There is restoration. There is restoration. Okay, wash and restore, but especially our conscience. We don't want to walk around with false guilt with guilt that we don't need to carry anymore because the Lord has taken it, okay? He doesn't want us to have that. Shame says you are bad, you are dirty. We don't want shame, okay? Which is the next one, I think. Number seven, we lift off shame. You can do that when you pray for someone. You can actually lift shame off them. Like when we went to Kenya in December and ministered to the Sudanese refugees there, and a lot of them had been sexually trafficked. And we talked about that, and we went into this whole subject. We just like cloaks. We walked around them, and we lifted off shame. That's when they said their turning point was for them in the conference. They felt like they had dignity again. Shame says, you are bad. You are dirty. Sin's reminding you that, you know, we don't live under shame. Yeah, there's no condemnation in Christ, and we lift shame off each other. It's good to have true guilt. True guilt leads us to the cross, and leads us to repentance. True guilt is our friend. When we don't have a conscience, it's not good. True guilt leads us to the cross, leads us to repentance. False guilt is shame. If you have feelings of shame, it's false guilt. I think I said that five times. Thank you, uh, Richard. Number eight, we want to fix number four. We renounce wrong, but we don't just leave, walk around with empty heads. I have no thoughts when it comes to sex. We actually want new thoughts. And everyone's like, yeah, I want new thoughts about sex. No. We want you to think about sex. I heard Nathan Edwardson from Moral Revolution yesterday was saying, men do think about sex a lot, but not deep enough. Because if they did, there'd be a lot more action and good fruit. We think about it, but not deeply enough about the impact. Okay? So we actually... Yes, we're an oversexed culture. We actually are, I think, an undersexed culture because we're not having depth enough of thought of the impact of these things. So we need to renounce wrong views of sex and we need to ask the Lord to build in the truth about sex. We need new ways of thinking, men and women of God, whether we're single, married, divorced, whatever. We need to know what the truth is and take that truth out into the world. And it needs to be evident in our families and we need to be walking it and living in the light. People need to know what we did on the weekend and it matches the word. Yeah, because we have thoughts 
And thoughts become actions. And actions become habits. So we need the truth, and the truth will set us free. And, yeah, and we just pray for healing for the person. A big one when it comes to sexual abuse. But we just pray for healing of that personal spirit. Healing from the, for the cost of the guilt and the shame of sleeping around, the prostitution, some of the girls I've walked with in this area. We just pray for healing for that person. And that's when the Lord's love comes in and they meets them. And the person remembers that they're loved and beautiful and strong and courageous and clean because the Lord made them clean. It's a beautiful thing. Does everyone understand some of the things on the board? Okay. Are you, do you mind that we're going a few minutes over? Is that okay? What we might do is... Um, is Pastor Bright here? I might... Not because we use music to make emotions. We're not that type of church. We don't manipulate. Not that any church ever does. That's not what I'm saying. Wow. Wow. It wasn't a judgment. I'm just saying what we're not doing. But it can muffle out uh, sound when people are doing transaction with the Lord, and that's an honoring thing. What I'm going to ask us to do is we're all going to stand together, and if this is not an area for you that you feel you need to pray through, maybe intercede for someone that is on your heart, that does battle, maybe just intercede for the rest of the room this morning. Is that okay? Intercede for people watching through Facebook Live, who this is a real area of pain in and, and their marriage. And whatever the Lord puts on your heart to pray, do you mind praying? For those of us that in this entire morning, anything has come to mind that we're actually like, actually, I need that dealt with. We're just going to walk through the different things on the board. These things will be transactions between you and the Lord. These things are things I can proclaim over you. This is what a prayer minister, this is what you as ministers can go out in the world and do for other people. You need the body of Christ to do this for you, and the person in the sin needs to do these transactions between you and the Lord. Does this make sense? So we're going to stand. Anything that the Lord has, do stand with me. If you don't feel there's anything to pray through, can you just start interceding now for others in the room for a real spirit of truth? for conviction to be good, and we're going to actually do a cleanup job so that people leave here feeling cleaner than they ever have ever before, including the conscience, and that shame is busted in the gut. Just a reminder, some of you may go home and battle more. This is because unmet need is underneath this, okay? Please have some prayer ministry with someone if there's something feeding this area in your life. All we're doing today is I can't meet that unmet need in your life. I can't fix that for you today. Please take the responsibility to go get help, a ministry for that. What I can do today is we do a cleanup job now for any, anything that has happened in our lives. So we can have a clean for anything that has happened. Anything that will continue to happen, please take that to a prayer minister. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's do this before the Lord. Some people find it helpful to be led word for word. I also think there's a place for, even if you fumble and mumble through it, to actually just as if the Lord is just the only person in the room with you and you're just doing a transaction between you and him. So we're either just speaking out in tongues or something if we're praying for other people. So we're all just mumbling. There's no shame in this room. Let's just mumble together. We're speaking in tongues. Or if there any, even if all your sin is, which is a big sin, is you're married, but you slept with each other before you're married. Maybe that's the one you're going to do today. So let's start off with number one. And I just encourage you to just bring that before the Lord. Anything that comes to mind, any tiny, maybe it's arousal of other people, even though there's no intimacy, whatever he's put on your heart, and just confess it. Let's do that. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Just name it for what it is and bring it to debt.
Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want to bring to mind? Maybe for some of you it's a thought it's thought problems, sexual thoughts that you're struggling with or masturbation, any of that. We will get onto that. There's roots behind that and we will we will help you through that. If that's something on your mind today, bring that up to you with the Lord, confess it. But we'll give you some more tools on another Sunday. But for now, especially intimacy outside of marriage, let's just clean that one up. Okay, then let's move from confession into full repentance. And that is a heart. Let's let's go and say we're sorry and ask for his forgiveness. Let's just do that with him now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you pursue us in our shame. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So I just, as another person in the kingdom, I pronounce over you that where your sins were once red as scarlet, they are now white as snow. And you have been completely forgiven of every single thing that you have just confessed and repented of. Every single thing you have just been completely justified. And he remembers them no more. And your sins have been thrown as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed your transgressions from you. It is done in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that that cost your blood. Okay, let's move on to number three. We need to just forgive those that we've had these intimacies with or anyone that led us into any area of this type of sexual sin. So, Lord, I choose to forgive. Let's name them. Some of us, you might not remember names, but let's just bring that person before the Lord. taking them off your hook and giving them to God and putting them on his hook so we can be free from bitterness. Okay, the big one, let's forgive ourselves. Lord, because of what you did on the cross for me, I now by faith choose to forgive myself. Let's do it. Forgive myself for A, B, C, and D, those involvements whether we were Christians or not, these transactions still need to stand. So we forgive ourselves, Jesus. We let ourselves off the hook because you did that on the cross. Okay. That's excellent. So number four is we want to say, my thoughts about sex and about what's okay and what's not okay. Maybe that doesn't line up with the scripture in any way that it doesn't. We want to 
by faith renounce and do the journey. It starts the journey. It takes some time for new ways of thinking. It can take some months of doing this. Every day you might have to go again, I renounce this, da-da-da-da, and I choose new ways. So let's do stronghold work. Number four, I renounce, we can say it together, we renounce wrong views of sex or unbiblical understanding about sex. I renounce it and come out of agreement with it. That's it. That's it. So I'm just going to be by the authority that the Lord has given to me. I'm just going to take those strongholds and together we're just going to put them at the foot of the cross right now in the name of Jesus. We demolish those structures, those ways of thinking, those thoughts about how sex works, about what we need to fill our tanks. I just take all of that and I just crumble it and we bring it to death on the cross right now in the name of Jesus. We just tear down those strongholds in Jesus' name. And I just proclaim over everyone now here that all the starting of that journey of taking out the old and building in the new. We bring it to death on the cross right now in the name of Jesus. So now I'm going to ask you that you would give me permission to separate you, body, soul, and spirit, from anyone you've had union with before marriage. Is that okay? So right now I take the sword of the spirit... And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would separate every person's body, soul, and spirit from anyone they've had union with outside of the covenant of marriage in any kind of sexual way in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father, for a severing of every soul tie in Jesus' name, a severing of personal spirits that are intermingled right now in the heavenlies because what's united on earth becomes united in heavens. So I ask in the heavens that you would untie that union where it becomes one and on earth it would be untied in this moment right now in Jesus' name. Would you untie that union in the spirit in the name of Jesus. Untie souls right now. Emotions separate one from another where you're tangled and you remember that person always. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would untangle those emotions. I speak to every personal spirit. Your mind, the mind of the body might not forget, but your personal spirit, I declare that you'll forget that union and stop searching for that person throughout the earth. Your spirit needs to no longer roam personal spirit, would you forget that union? Father, would you restore to everyone here what has been stolen from them willingly or unwillingly from another person? Restore it and take it back to them in Jesus' name. And Father, would you give back to anyone else not here or here something that has been stolen from them willingly or unwillingly when it comes to sexual intimacy? Through that severing of the tie, would you make everyone here stand in 100% wholeness once again and everyone that was affected on the other end be in 100% wholeness in Jesus' name? Right now in Jesus' name. Even in the mind, Father, even chemicals, would you unbind them even in the mind? Jesus, where there's imprints, would you unbind them right now in the name of Jesus, where there's memories and imprints of sexual encounters that are imprinted on the brain? Would you come and unbind the minds in Jesus' name? Unbind the bodies. Thank you, Jesus. In any ungodly ties. And for any married couples that are here, maybe if you're both hearing this word, And if you're both in agreement, if there was any sexual intimacy before marriage, I ask that you would give me permission now to just break the ungodly tie. I'm not going to break the tie of your marriage, just the ungodly one. So if you both agree, 
Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would come and you would sever the ungodly ties, spirit and soul ties that happened before marriage and sever that right now in the name of Jesus, leaving only the ones that are blessed in covenant that you have blessed and that are consecrated. And I pray a blessing, Father, over every marriage tie in this area. I thank you, Father, that there's going to be goodness, that there's going to be breakthrough in this area in marriages, that there's going to be no pain in the area of sexual intimacy in marriages anymore. It is not the Lord's design. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're coming to do a healing work in these marriages and the way that that affects generations. And I bless holy ties in Jesus' name. Father, I pray in accordance with Hebrews 9, 13, and 14, where it says, who the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God to cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And I pray right now with the blood of Jesus, we just come and cleanse consciences right now all across the room. Cleanse consciences right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would just come and wash people right now in the name of Jesus. Just come and wash. Come and wash bodies. Come and wash bodies, Father, if there's any even creative miracles in any areas, Father, where things have been given away. I even declare that. I thank you that there's 100% restoration in the kingdom. I thank you for complete restoration in Jesus' name of bodies and souls and spirits, of minds, eye gates, ear gates, sounds, sights, smells, everything, Father, would just be washed in Jesus' name. Every cell of the body would just be washed. And any trauma lodged in the body, Father, in these areas from past encounters, even present ones, Father, I just pray that you would lift the trauma off right now in Jesus' name. Lift the trauma off the body, off the soul, of cells in the body, Jesus. Trauma that's been even lodged in the body, Father, where there might even be pain or, or diseases in particular areas of the body that have come through the trauma of this. I pray that you would lift the trauma off and lift sicknesses off. I pray for the healing of any um, sickness that has come through sexual sin any sicknesses and diseases from sexual sin, that your forgiveness and your blood would stop that in the name of Jesus. And I ask for bodies to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Bodies to be healed and vibrant and alive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Healing of the bodies, healing of the mind, healing of the conscience. Thank you for peace in the mind when it comes to our past. Peace in the mind. We have made peace with our maker today. And I can remind you of that. We've made peace with our maker. There is peace in our conscience in Jesus' name. I lift off shame all over the room in Jesus' name. I lift off shame like a blanket. It does not belong here. It now has no allowance to stay here because the roots have been dealt with. The transactions have been done. The legal transactions have been done. Shame is not allowed to stay here. I lift it off like a blanket and I send it away in Jesus' name. Every stronghold of shame, I bind you in Jesus' name hand you over to Jesus. I lift off shame like a blanket. I thank you that our light will shine forth. We are all in one accord clean. We are the same. Our light is shining forth. I lift off shame in Jesus' name. Any areas of the demonic that have come in through sexual encounters, even by faith right now, I just say be gone. Since these transactions have been done, you're no longer allowed to inhabit here in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I just thank you, Father, for a lifting off of that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you for a lifting off of that in Jesus' name. Thank you for the lifting off of shame in Jesus' name. Thank you for a lifting off of shame. Thank you for a closure to the demonic in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Break it off. Break it off. In every area that came in in Jesus' name, it no longer has the ability to stay here. And we just cut it off at the gate. I bind the strong man in Jesus' name. 
I bind the strong man in Jesus' name. Intercessors, let's pray. This is such an area of demonic influence that it's allowed to come in because we've opened those doors. Today, we've shut those doors. Even if you're listening on this on Facebook Live and any demonic influence that's come through when those doors were open, they are now shut and you need to leave. Every demonic influence needs to leave in Jesus' name. You need to leave in Jesus' name. And I hand you over to Jesus and to go where Jesus is assigned for you at this time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a cleansed body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray for complete healing. As we just finish, Father, I just thank you for complete healing. I thank you for a sealing over the work you've started in people's lives today, Lord, that they wouldn't be leave here raw, that they would be sealed until we can, they can have continued help, continued prayer, continued love continued love, that we love people to life. We love people back to wholeness. And I just pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. For some of us, we have temptations in this area because it's generational. And if any of you in your mind know, it's because of your parents, their parents, their sexual sin through the generations, that takes another transaction, that takes some prayer ministry that needs to be forgiving of the generations and closing of doors generationally. We will teach on that too. Sexual sins can be generational and you can just be prone to turning to that and that door needs to be shut as well. Generational sin, generational spirits in this area need to be dealt with as well. So thank you for the reminder, we will do that. But I just thank you for peace right now all across the building. I just thank you for the washing of the word. We thank you for the washing of your word. We thank you for peace in this area of our life. We thank you for peace over our conscience. Thank you for your clean, clean anointing. I just welcome your peace. I just welcome your peace. Shame cannot live in this peace. And Father, I just bring this uh, congregation and anyone else listening to you, Lord, or any area of unmet need, and I ask that you would shine the light on what is creating our hunger and what will might tempt us to go and fall again tomorrow in this area. Would you highlight it? We need answers now so that we can come out of this now. Even if you just bring to mind someone we can journey with, if there's, we've got plenty of prayer ministers in this church, come and ask for help. Unmet need needs to be, you, you, you usually don't know what the root is without some help. So do avail yourself for some prayer. It takes longer than praying at the front after a sermon. It actually takes sitting down and having the Holy Spirit show you where the unmet need was. So our Lord, I just release this good people, Lord, to your journey on them your journey for them. And I ask, Lord, that you would reveal to them where trauma and unmet need has created a hunger that you satisfy and only you satisfy. And I thank you for hope. I thank you for hope over marriages. I thank you for hope over sexual intimacy. I thank you for hope over pain that has been so great in this area. Hope over hunger that just hasn't been, hasn't been satiated. Hope over addictions. Hope over addictions. Hope over relationships. Hope over... A relationship working out, even if it had a bit of bad choices in the middle of it. Thank you for hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. He deserves a clap. What a cleaner. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.